This is the Digital Nomad Quest podcast with Sharon Sung, teaching people how to build passive income, become financially free, and design their best lives. Hey guys, so I am in Prague right now, and I'm here speaking with Martin Berry, who is the founder of Resite and Manifesto Market. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm well. I'm not always drinking. Sorry, you caught me like uh, oh, introduction, sorry. having a drink. But no, nah, it's it's a chill interview. You can go ahead and drink whatever. <laughs> no, I'm doing well. It's like a beautiful uh, afternoon. It's a little bit chilly, but we're it's cool. I'm happy to meet Sharon and talk about whatever she wants to talk about. Yeah, so I wanted to kind of learn more about Resite and Manifesto Market. So basically, my friend and I, um, we went to Manifesto Market the other day. It's kind of like this venue with different shipping containers and like vendors, all different cultures and stuff like that with food, drinks, music, and book. Like that was really cool. We were just like, wow, there's like this little bookstore with a really like a good oh, curation. Book therapy, yeah. yeah that's an amazing bookshop. Yeah, 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 I was like, the book selection's really good. And we were just like feeling the vibes the aesthetic was really nice yeah. it's super visually appealing I was just thinking it'd be so cool to have that where I live you know where I live is like the suburbs and it's kind of nothing there yeah but we want to do that everywhere basically um, so we're ready like you saw just the first one and, and it's sort of an experiment for us to build it's our first time doing anything in, in real estate or anything and in, in definitely in food and beverage we usually like design experiences and we see this as like a kind of cool experience that people can come and, and they get like a variety of food from 20 different restaurants they can like buy books from like an independent bookseller and get you know just an interesting experience that you wouldn't normally expect in a city like Prague it's kind of like total experiment for us but it's working so we should go next to San Francisco or Fremont or wherever you want us to go oh that would be amazing I mean yeah, yeah maybe we can like talk about your story how you started I guess with like design architecture and then moving into recite and then moving into manifesto market sure yeah no I'm super confusing actually I didn't tell you earlier but like I, I started like when I was in school I studied it to be like a historian actually I studied oh, his, okay. history and business and then I actually got a degree in landscape architecture um, a master's and, and so I was in New York for like uh, like eight or nine years and I was practicing landscape architect underneath my mentor then Barbara Wilkes and then eventually was like kind of leading design projects for that office for like you know eight years and I was like a little bit bored and, and, and maybe it was like a tough time during the recession so I I, uh, I was invited here to Prague on a, on a fellowship. So I started teaching uh, on this Fulbright fellowship. And it was like total experiment. I didn't know anybody in Prague. I was uh, sort of alone. And after like 24 hours, I thought like, what the fuck did I just do? It was just the stupidest thing. I left New York, which is like my hometown, my favorite city in the world. And I came to this really strange foreign place. At that, that time, I thought like Eastern Europe, like, you know, this like really strange land. Wait, how long ago was this? 2012, so it was like six or seven years ago. Okay, was Prague really different back then? Yeah, it changed a lot. I mean, it was like at the time, like it was, it had already been changing, right, since like the early 90s, but like I I never came before that. So um, it was like in the last, when I came, there was basically like only like a few places that like you or I would want to eat, right? It was like Mm -hmm. the food was really kind of like locally based, Czech food, local, like Central European food. And I was like, I tend to like really like food experiences and, and food culture. So I was always starving and looking for things to eat and, and particularly like I try to eat it like I'm always eating late like 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night and I'd come out of the office or something or my friend's place and there'd be nothing to eat except for like McDonald's or, or something like this <laughs> so I was sort of 
like starving for food, and that's one of the reasons why I started Manifesto. So, oh, okay. So the food scene completely changed in the last like seven years. It's much more cosmopolitan now, like much more international scene, and I think we're a driver of that also. It's sort of like creating a little bit of change in the food scene. Ooh, cool. And was Recite first, though? Yes. So I started, because I was sort of bored teaching when I first came here and I didn't know anybody, I thought, like, I've got to do something to, to meet people. So I don't know why, but I started a nonprofit and like a nonprofit organization. And this was, like, a really good way for me to, to kind of, like, engage with the local, like, design community and architecture community. And so I made a lot of friends and, like, business partners through this um, nonprofit. And what we did was organize, like, uh, events. We organized conferences and like salon discussions and you know we organized a festival with this crazy art installation um, in a public square and people liked this like somehow like it was a new idea and, and still pretty fresh and since then we've organized like 170 events like on architecture and kind of public space in like uh, Lisbon, Berlin and here in Prague and so this was kind of the start of it and then I like, I was doing a lot of that from New York, actually. I moved uh -huh. back to New York in 2013, and, and then I was kind of managing it from there. And it was too much. I was flying, like, from, like, China to Canada to Mexico, back to New York to Prague, like, on a weekly basis. And I was, like, 32 years old. And I was just sort of, like, a little bit burnt out of that. So I decided to move here full-time, like, three years ago. Okay. And then I got bored of doing just events. <laughs> so... I was like, we don't want to just talk about architecture, we want to build. Yeah. Uh, and so I found that like, as an architect, you work for clients, right? And you have to kind of like, you follow the client's script. And you're kind of at, like beholden or like you're at the, at the um, you know, you have to just do what they say, basically. <laughs> so I, I didn't like that. Like, I like to do my thing. I like to kind of like direct my own work. And so with Manifesto, I thought, like, well, let's build something. Like, let's do something that I want to do that I think will be the best solution. And then I don't, if I make a mistake, like, it's my fault. Like, I don't have to blame the client or whatever, be, like, reliant on a good client. So now I want to be a good client, basically, for other architects. And so I, I think now, like, that's the future for me is to, is to build more. And, and to kind of be like an experiential developer, like develop food experiences, hospitality experiences, like more entertainment-based experiences, but in real estate, like property. So, so maybe we can back up with Recite first. Yeah. Like, what were the steps to even start that up? I mean, you didn't know anyone, right? And <laughs> no, how was... difficult was that? It seems very difficult to do that. Yeah, it's really <laughs> difficult. I had to, like, I was teaching with another American at the university, and, and he said, like, that's sounds like a great idea to do a festival or conference on like architecture and public space which was in a different way than like other people that organize this kind of thing uh, in this part of Europe so he introduced me to like one of his students who would be kind of uh, who volunteered for a long time almost like a year for the organization um, and then I met someone else through another colleague who was like uh, just starting an architecture school so the kind of three or four of us got together and just we figured it out we applied to the local office for the license to do a nonprofit. What's we, that like? Is it you just pay a fee and then you like how's that work? Yeah, I felt like at that time I felt like everyone and their mother had a nonprofit. And <laughs> really? Because like I, I don't I, know anyone with one actually. So. No, I know, but 
here it's it's different. Like there mm-hmm. actually aren't so many incentives to have a nonprofit organization. Like there's no real tax incentive to do so. It's pretty easy to apply. You have to pay like fifty dollars and and fill out a form basically. So it's like a library card kind of. Oh okay. Do you, um, do you have to have like residency or like how does that work? You for can you an, be a foreigner? For a nonprofit, you can be. Okay. Uh, like I'm the chairman still of the nonprofit and I'm a foreigner. Okay. Um, for businesses, it's a little more complicated. Like now I have like seven or eight businesses based in Prague and like you have to have more permanent residency and more paperwork for this. It's more complicated. I don't know. The process was just trying to meet as many people as I could and, and I was really fortunate that in Prague, like it's a relatively small city so you can kind of meet people pretty easily like once you're in a kind of network or some kind of like industry. And so I met a lot of people that really thought my idea to kind of bring a new discussion on architecture like about contemporary architecture and contemporary public space was needed so they all kind of like really helped out there's a lot of like people I still consider friends to this day that I met in those first few weeks or months mm-hmm. and they wanted to contribute like to our conference or um, like uh, help connect us to other people like graphic designers or you know videographers or people that could kind of help put it together so we're really fortunate like the the environment the community is pretty small and pretty mm-hmm. tight and we were able to kind of like work with each other and collaborate so a huge part of it was that networking and did you go to a bunch of meetups and things like that to meet all these people or how did you how did you do that yeah like a lot of the meetings were like through word of mouth I didn't go to like these kind of networking things I'm not really good at that I'm a little shy in those environments so <laughs> me too yeah, yeah like, I'm sort of like I'm not so great at these like new kind of networking things I usually have a glass of wine or like a coffee and then I skip out the back door yeah. I did that last night actually at a party <laughs> I came to give a speech and I was there to like to give a speech and I was there for an hour and like literally five minutes after I walked off stage I had just left the event okay. <laughs> without saying it. Nice. we call that the Irish exit you know? uh, okay. yeah. anyway like uh, how did it work like I just tried to talk to people like um, whatever parties or you know people would introduce me to their friends and then I would be really good about like pushing really hard to meet those people like through the context I was supplied like through emails or whatever like it just takes a lot of work to do the networking and, and you know just not be afraid that people are going to say no because mm-hmm. especially when you do something new like everyone says no like almost like 95% of the things you ask for are oh, going to yeah. be they're going to be turned down so was it that's what it was like when you were okay mostly it's still like that in fact uh-huh. like uh, it's really funny for me to be here because I'm like uh, I'm a total I'm a foreigner from New York City and I don't really have a, like a deep deep network from like you know many people know each other for like many years here it's just mm-hmm. a smaller community and uh, I'm always turned down the people think I'm like an animal in a cage they sort of like you know they like to look at me but like they they don't really engage so deeply with me so I'm, I'm kind of used to being turned down you have to be I think if you're gonna be kind of like successful or whatever you know you define success to be if you want to like get to the next step you have to be turned down a lot which kind of sucks but you just have to deal with it really yeah. I need to be more like that it's good <laughs> well I don't know it's like uh, it's like strength <laughs> yeah you have to have really thick skin and not be afraid to fail like, yeah. I talk to people that, I, that work with me a lot about failing like I'm totally fine if we make mistakes like because if we don't make a mistake it means we didn't do anything we didn't try mm-hmm. so everything that we do is new like I never organized a conference before I organized the first recite and like almost 10,000 people came to that event what? yeah we organized it in five months and like we think about eight to 10,000 people came because there was a kind of big public part of the event wait and so what was this event about? this was an event about architecture and public space and okay. we installed 
we brought like a architecture pavilion, kind of like a big piece of art from London, and we installed it on one of the main squares in Prague. And so we did like films there, discussions, we did a party, some dancing lessons. And then of course we had like a conference inside uh, the building which talked about architecture in a more kind of professional format. And I was shocked by how many people came. And we had never organized anything like this wow. before. Okay. I had organized like a keg party in, in, in college and that was the only thing <laughs> I had it? done. Yeah. I mean, okay, what were the steps to do that launch of, like, that event? Were, were, did you make videos advertising it? Did you put up paid ads or, like, nothing? It was just word of mouth. We did a lot of uh, social media work. And we also ran a Kickstarter campaign, so we okay. were one of the first kind of architecture projects that, that had been successful on Kickstarter, architecture and event project. Kickstarter had just launched, like, a year earlier, and I was kind of following this because it was a New York-based company. So that was helpful. We got, like, a lot of word on the street, like, based on this, and then we just worked a lot on social media because we had no money right like we organized this totally on a, on a at risk and wow. so mm-hmm. mostly it was like through word of mouth friends networking and since then I'd say like the biggest part of my team and the nonprofit and also in manifesto like the property development company is marketing so like actually we put a lot of resources into the marketing because I feel like we're kind of building brands and experiences that's an important really important part for me mm-hmm. we do something it's not just the brand but like uh, it's really important to kind of like leverage what we've can build on the brand like to use that to kind of find new new audiences uh, whatever new customers for the market this kind of thing okay and this event was in Prague or in New York or this first event was in Prague and they have Kickstarter here <laughs> I don't even know how it works here <laughs> uh, no there are some local Kickstarter kind of like copies uh, oh, here. Got it. Okay. but no at that time we used Kickstarter and basically it was actually the first project in the country that was on Kickstarter okay I'm not even sure you can still do that like from Prague you can still put projects on Kickstarter but then you could basically anyone in the world could kind of submit a project if you had a U.S. bank account. And so oh, okay. I had a U.S. bank account and cards so I could launch. So you did this like with a small team of people? Yeah, or? there was like three or four of us. Wow, okay. And you yeah. guys just strategized. You guys thought could be the best way to bootstrap this event. Yeah, and we worked for like 26 hours a day. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> no, we just worked um, around the clock basically for five okay. months. Like it was a really kind of stressful time, but it was so much fun because when you're starting something and you don't really know what you're doing, I mean, anyone who works in like startup industry or like starts new companies or new projects you know the feeling like you're so driven like your blood is pumping so fast all the time you're the, this hot-blooded like uh, creature just like trying to succeed on these like everything's a challenge like you know we didn't know how to market an event we didn't know how to do the programming or the, the, the sort of production or anything we didn't even know what kind of people we needed but now this is more like a machine like not really we're still making a lot of mistakes but it's it's getting like easier as the time goes by but then we didn't really know what we were doing it was, yeah wow Wow. It was kind of exciting and really scary at the same time. That's super cool. Okay, so your team, it was like three or four people you said, right? Or then, yeah. Then. And how did you pick these people? Like, was there certain qualities about them you thought you could work well with them? And are they? Are you still working with them with Resight and Manifesto? Or? That original team, this is also an interesting part about starting a kind of project like this without, like, any base of funding, like, or, or money. Mm-hmm. We, like, we started it on a, on a whim. Like, I was responsible for it, ultimately, like, from the budget but you kind of like have to attract people that are really interested in the topic and and we all volunteered I volunteered for the first three and a half years of this uh, of Recite basically I had another job so I was able to do that but the others like they all 
also had other jobs either in university, like they're graduate students or something. So they committed a lot of like volunteer time. And without them, like we couldn't have done it actually. People committed so much of their energy to it. Mm-hmm. But when people commit a lot of energy, like particularly on a volunteer basis for like let's say three, six, nine months or a year, like they get really burned out and then like have some problems in the team and stuff. So we had some like growing pains in the first couple years and then actually none of the original team members are there except for me. Oh, okay. So they're, I'm still close with, with a couple of them, but they moved on to different stuff now. Okay, yeah. so it wasn't like you co-founded Recite with them. It was your thing, and then yeah. other people who are passionate about it came through. Yeah, like I, cool. we mm-hmm. pi- I pitched the idea to other people, and that, that's when like people started to approach me and said like they'd like to help, or they'd like to help organize it, or whatever, like join the team. Ultimately, the team that year was like, in that first year, was probably like 20. But there was like four people on the core team. And, and I should say, actually, the, the one person on the board with me actually is from the original team. That's that's incorrect. So she's like my, my co-board member. There's, okay. there's two board members now, and, and she's one of them. Yeah, the, but ultimately it was like 20 people. So it's like a study in doing events and management and uh, everything. Cool. Yeah, it was really cool. It's really fun. Okay. And, and Manifesto now is the same way. We didn't know anything about what we were doing in real estate or technology or food and beverage. And we kind of had to build all the experience ourselves. Wow. I asked about the um, co-founder or team situation because I was wondering because whenever I start projects, I find that like finding the person to partner with or something like that is it's kind of it can be kind of difficult. You don't want to like ruin a friendship or something like that. And also sometimes I I start to feel like just making it myself is easier than working with someone else. Do you find that? Like, do you do you like working on it as you're the sole founder? Yeah. You prefer that? Yeah. I think it really depends. But like, of course, you need uh, like complex complementary skill sets, like someone who can offer something different than you can when you start an organization or a company. But uh, it gets like really tricky, like especially when you know you're not really sure. Like when you start something and you're really passionate, you're not really sure exactly what your responsibility is and what the other person's responsibility is, yeah. right? You just like do it full speed. Then when things start to settle down a little bit, then you start to say like, wait a minute, like I've put more work in, or that person's put yeah. more work in, and then you both think it's unfair, and mm-hmm. so this is a really sticky situation. Yeah. And and you don't want to lose friends over this. It's really painful. It can be really painful. Like in, in Manifesto, for example, I was the, the founder and CEO and the majority shareholder. So, and I knew from the experience at Recite that this needed to be defined really clearly. And so any investors that came on like early, which are friends and family primarily, they were either just lending us money or lending me money. Sorry to talk about the bud- the money, but like it's, it's really important, especially when you're kind of dividing the the company. They either lent us money or if they're investing and coming into the company, they were seed investors and like you have to hold the rights because like if you're going to take responsibility for the project uh, and pay back all the investors and stuff, you need all the responsibility. Like you need to make the decisions, I think, if you're confident to do so. I don't know why, but I was sort of confident in this case in Manifesto to kind of like lead the ship and, 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 and pull it forward. Okay. But it's uh, it's complicated though, like because you also want to do something with a friend. You just need to be clear like about how you divide the responsibilities and I think once it's clear and it's written down, it's it's okay. Okay. When it's unclear, it can be a little bit hairy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, you mentioned the the money aspect. And, I mean, I was actually going to ask you, like, how you got that initial funding for Manifesto. I guess moving on to Manifesto Market, how how that 
came about? Were you guys already huge with Recite and it wasn't that difficult or was it still like a difficult process? Uh, so I asked a few questions there. I feel like the funding part yeah. and just like the entire process. Yeah, no, um, the team, like I think Recite, like let's say we started Manifesto really thinking about it like, uh, well, the first time I thought about it was really early in Recite's like history, like 2013. And I created like a five page proposal and I presented it to some companies and about like kind of doing it more like a sponsorship basis like we approached like Vodafone and like some of the other technology companies and they're like what no I don't want to do that they didn't understand it like containers and cafes and stuff they were like they didn't get it and we weren't big enough and I wasn't spending enough time to actually do it as a real project so we just kind of like put it on the shelf and then when I moved back to Prague in 2015 I was like well maybe we should do try to do this again like maybe the market's more like open to this kind of thing now my team at Reside at that point was like bigger we were probably like close to 12 or 15 people and we had like not much time but we had a little bit more time to spend on something like this so actually I, I paid the team at Recite like for uh, probably nine months or more like to develop the ideas and we hired we actually did a student competition which the first design like the manifesto you saw is is uh, primarily designed by students and then when they won the competition then they finished their school and then they be that became their first project that I kind of led them but it was their their design and then someone in my Recite office was helping them on some of the details and stuff Elvita she's amazing architect that works for me and so like we I basically funded it for the first like nine months uh, on Recite and then it became a real project right we had something to show we had a design okay so we worked for like a year and we had like Recite had produced a design with those student architects Mika and Lucy and then Elvita in my office as an architect helped kind of like make it more more real then we put together some partners like from around Prague based on our Recite kind of connections and work like our local partner Aero Films was amazing like a film distribution company that wanted to, to work on this also they have bar experience then we had something like the design we had the site we had the partners uh, and we had a team and so it was easier to kind of attract funding for it so I asked friends and family basically this is the place to start when you have like a, a good idea you really trust it so we asked friends and family and we got like a first seed investment from a friend that lives in Prague an American friend uh, who's still a partner uh, in the in the company uh, do you create those contracts to like your yeah. friends and family okay is yeah it, you have to yeah yeah right okay yeah. is it difficult to like write it out do you have a lawyer do some stuff yeah like that, or well no? now we have like someone don't ever start a company because then you have to get lots and lots of stuff like lawyers and we have like four different law firms we work with now. Oh, wow, okay. One in New York and three here. And actually, today we just hired an internal lawyer. So, like, you know, when you grow bigger, it just be, you just get more problems. And I used to write the contracts myself, like the first, like, NDAs and that kind of stuff. Uh, I wrote myself with some advice from New York. And then now we use external lawyers for most of the big stuff. And, yeah. But anyway, like, whenever you kind of take money from somebody you have to have some kind of contract and before you even get to that point you have to sign an NDA like a non-disclosure so if you share lots of information they don't like leak it or you know take it themselves so we try to protect everything and then we kind of enter the negotiation about like you know if they're willing to invest some money and then we write some kind of like shareholders agreement and it's important to really pay attention to that stuff because I think that's where it gets a little bit complicated if like either if it fails or if it's successful mm -hmm. you have problems both ways how did you say you got the vendors? Yeah, this is also like things like with Manifesto fell together, fell kind of came together because I, I think Prague also is interesting in this way. Like it's a small city, so it's easy to kind of connect with people. Like I said with Recite, of course I used a lot of the, the the connections I had with Recite to kind of open the project up and make it start to become real. But I was still really nervous to talk about it, like because we didn't have any money yet, right? So most of the people were still employed with Recite, and so I did an interview and I thought like, okay, if this project's really going to happen, maybe I should seed this somehow in the newspaper or magazine. So I did an interview in a 
marketing magazine, like very strategically, because I thought maybe like a big partner might find it and say like, wow, great idea, like yeah. we'll, we'll be a partner on that. Did you reach out to them? Like how did that work? No, they actually approached us for, for an interview with me because we do some interesting marketing for Resite, so they wanted to kind of like see our strategy as a nonprofit. It's kind of rare to do such like, uh, let's say, I don't know, to spend so much time on the media and marketing. So they wanted to talk to me about that, and we were like, okay, we want to see just one thing, so I put like one line in there that we're thinking about doing this pop-up food market, uh, and it would be like in the next year, maybe like nine months from when that article was published. And like literally like the day it was printed, we got a phone call from this guy who just started his own like commercial leasing agency, Evo, and Evo's still working with us now. He has a startup that uses some technology to find uh, kind of like vendors interested in pop-up spaces. So that's his real estate model. He wants to kind of find short-term spaces for people, which is like a perfect pairing for us. Like we want we want no longer than like one term, one year leases, and he that's like what he does. Okay. So he's like, hey man, like awesome project. I want to be part of your team, and um, and I'll give you like some time, you know, to find the partners. And after a while, we put him on retainer, like uh, a monthly salary, just kind of keep him like engaged. And basically, he worked for a year to kind of like attract the partners and everything. Everybody did this on like a whim. Like they were like, we trust this crazy American, like that he can do this. Wow. <laughs> and so, so cool. yeah, people put a lot of trust in me, which is also like you know it's heavy, but. Um, if you feel like you can deliver, it's like uh, it's really cool because people will get behind you if you can kind of like uh, inspire, you know, inspire them. And it's, I'm really thankful that like people trust me so much because uh, otherwise we couldn't do it without other collaborators and people. Yeah. And the the ownership thing I talked about is like not because like you want to like you know you don't trust anybody and you want to like keep people out of your space it's more people are going to trust you you need to kind of like have the control to, to do what you need to do to get mm-hmm. the project done and so that's why I think it's really important to define that early that makes sense yeah I guess back to the so the vendors part you said once you got that other company that partnership yeah did that just somehow spark like all these food vendors to work with you how did that work? that's a interesting story too yeah well I hadn't because I had never done a real estate development project like as a developer I was always I was the architect architect, mm-hmm. right? And so we really didn't have, as an architect, you don't have so much insight into the leasing part or the business part of the, like the commercial side of the business. Like you just are tasked to design something. But as the owner uh, and the developer, like I had no idea how hard it was to lease 25 spaces that were only like, um, I don't know, like 30 square feet, no, maybe like 100 square feet each and, uh, and to do it all at the same time within like four months. I had no idea how hard that was going to be. And I'm really happy we found uh, Evo because he was like, yeah, we could do that. And everyone else I've talked to about that since they're like, you're insane. Like it's really hard to lease retail space and food space, like gastro space, especially where we are. Like um, we're in the center of the city, so it's like not so cheap. And and so we did it. Like in four months, we leased 25 spaces, uh, which was really cool. And Wait, did they build the spots and then? You guys rent that supply? We built everything. So oh, okay. everything you see at the market, we built. and then But inside the containers, they build. So all the kitchens and stuff, they, they install themselves. Oh, okay. So we, we provide them, like, design guidelines. Um, and we kind of, we try to control at least, um, like, how it looks and how it feels. We want to make sure it's, like, bright enough and it looks, like, professional. Mm-hmm. So we try really hard to work with them closely on the design. But it's re- their responsibility, ultimately. <laughs> so we provide what we call like shell space we just kind of build the the containers and we build the public space 
and then we do like I don't know it's kind of boring but like in, in property or real estate it's called space as a service so they rent the space but they also get a full service they get like the marketing branding all the communications and PR uh, they get the site staff like the cleaning and, and basically everyone that you see that works there works for me basically <laughs> except for inside the kitchens so they rent the space but we provide everything else so it's this kind of like we work model for restaurants it's kind of a new model yeah I think I need to like clarify how it works so yeah. you said you own the, the space that you do on the land and everything and then you you yeah. have the, okay and then these vendors rent the spaces from you yeah so like okay. our real estate is containers right it's like um, we have these black containers and which you can see probably hopefully in this video and then you um we rent those small containers to the the merchants or like the kitchens or restaurants or the like the bookshop for example and then like once you open the door like it's their responsibility so they put in like the stove and like the all the kitchen equipment all the furniture that go inside that's all theirs and all the staff that works inside the containers that's theirs basically like where we we have a lot of public or communal space so basically we rent the the merchants um or the restaurants those black containers inside is their responsibility and outside is our responsibility so all the tables and everything like that's us we we provide that and we also clean them and we provide all the marketing and everything so we do all like all the social media all the communications and pr that's on us all the branding and everything that's on us too and we do the design of like the general design of the area but not in Inside the containers. Got it. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay. The company you partner with was it was the name Evo? Evo. His name is Evo. Oh, he his okay. His yeah. name's Evo, and then he got, was he responsible for getting the vendors, or am I yeah confusing that? Okay. No, no. He's like the leasing manager. So a leasing means he finds the businesses that want to rent space. Got it. Okay. And he he kind of like sets up the contract with them and leases it to them. And him and I kind of set the price and everything like that. Okay, um, so he was able to acquire it for you. Yeah, That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, it's super cool because. Because he, he has like uh, he's in this kind of like commercial real estate world, and he had a lot of contacts because he he wants to be in like the food uh, kind of part of that business. Mm-hmm. So he had a lot of restaurants in his contacts that he was able to to use. Of course, we wanted the best restaurants, so we approached these best restaurants in Prague, and we'd say like, "Hey, we're gonna do this food market. It's gonna be like street food, but at a lower price uh, than your normal restaurant. So you should produce something cool, and it's gonna be next to the highway, and it's gonna be in shipping containers." And everyone's like, "What?" <laughs> so basically, the first like few months was a, like kind of a total failure. Like we had like everyone basically said like I'm not gonna open a restaurant in a container. Uh, I'm not going to open a restaurant next to the highway or underneath the highway, which is how they described it. And three, like we're in a part of the city which is kind of in, the, in Prague. It's in the center, but it was like kind of a crappy place before we went there. It was like it was empty. There was a lot of garbage on the land. It was kind of like there was a fence around it. People used to get robbed or mugged there all the time. So when we approached like you know like white tablecloth restaurants or like five star restaurants, we'd be like. Like, yeah, we've got this great place and there's some sort of street food underneath the highway. And they, we told them where it was and they were like, you can't serve food there. Like, no way. Like, it'll fail. Everyone told me it would fail, except for the people that gave me the land. They thought like, okay, is your responsibility? Like, go for it. And basically we had to convince everybody to be there. And like, I also give them a lot of credit. They took a huge risk also. What made you choose that plot of land if 
everyone is saying no? Was it cheaper? Was it or was it the mission to make something like yeah. crappier, nicer? That's exactly it. Yeah, like we, I don't know. My mission has always been to kind of improve the city, and that's like Resite's mission, and it's also part of Manifesto's mission that we uh, we want to take a bad place and make it a lot better. So I love that people thought that was a bad location. In fact, there's like two stories around this. People said like, no way anyone will go to serve food there. Like it's a bad location. Like you can't really have a restaurants or, or a market there. And now when I talk to people like in the media or private partners, like, uh, you know, other businesses, they say like, oh, Manifesto is super cool. And it's because of the great location. <laughs> and I just have to like laugh because everyone told me it was like a shit location and they wouldn't go there. And the other story was like, people told me like I couldn't serve food there because the highway smelled too bad. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Like, you know, I live in New York City. Like, we're surrounded by highways in, like, California. Like, you know, you can serve food anywhere, basically. And then, like, two weeks after we opened, my friend, uh, one of my friends who told me that I couldn't serve food there, he gets stuck in traffic on the highway, like, right next to where we are. It's sort of like, we're down here, and then, like, the highway is above. And so he's stuck in traffic here, like, almost every day. And so he said, like, you guys are geniuses at marketing. Like, you must be blowing the smells of meat at the highway because, like, I'm sitting in my car in summer, and I can smell steaks and like all I want to do is pull off the highway and have a beer and a steak so now the smell of food is actually overcoming the highway I love that because like you know it takes everyone we didn't actually blow the the smell of (laughs) of steak but we should have but it's just naturally that's how it works we're influencing the highway versus the highway influencing us so the only lesson is like if you believe in something you can't listen to all the like the people haters like the haters yeah they're they're gonna hate and you just gotta like plow through it I think if you have like that deeper mission or purpose it trumps everything huh i think so yeah Yeah. you have to be a little bit stupid and i think i'm a little bit stupid so i think that's what makes it work yeah (laughs) that's awesome yeah i'm stubborn irish american so it's easy (laughs) don't listen i need to be more like that i think because i'm like asian i'm supposed to like listen to other people but i gotta be more like individualistic and yeah go for things be a little bit more of an asshole you have to like just um you have to just be a little little bit a little bit more pushy and and a little bit more stubborn, I think, sometimes. Mm. Not always. Like, I, I, I gen- generally, like, people, I don't know, I try to be, uh, like, really amenable and really, like, kind to people and everything. But I think sometimes you have to be a little bit stubborn and just kind of, like, put your head down and push through the push through the walls. Um, going back to the question about the funding. So the funding went into the land as well as the containers and the setup and everything, right? Was it a lot? I guess it's relative, but I don't want to, like, ask specific numbers or anything just wondering how difficult that part was and did friends and family cover everything or did you you had to get a lot more the seed funding as we call it like initial like round of funding was like uh we call it like equity funds like they contributed money and they became part of the company that was my friend uh, mike and vira and that was like i don't know it's like maybe forty thousand us dollars so it's just relatively small amount of money for an investor but like it helped us get started because like Recite couldn't really fund this anymore. It was like going on for nine months or a year, and it wasn't really our mission to become like a real estate developer. So uh, I didn't feel comfortable continuing to employ the, the team there. So that money like basically helped us get to the fin- like to the finish line and like you know finish the architectural drawings and this kind of stuff and like add one or two people to the team. Um, and it lasted a few months. Like our burn rate was pretty low, so it lasted like several months. And then it got us to the point where I could negotiate with like uh, a friend of a friend who's also an investor locally, and he loaned us the rest of the money. 
basically. And then we got like, because we had that, I was able to get MasterCard as a partner. We had the design, we had the site or the location. We had some funding and then MasterCard kind of like, they really loved the project. Because what we didn't mention is this is one of the first cashless projects in Europe where like you don't spend cash there, you can only use a credit card or digital payments, which is kind of controversial, particularly in California. But this is the future. So we decided like we'd take a big step and try it. And so MasterCard jumped on board as like a, a sponsor for this kind of, this part of the business. And also they sponsor the culture program. So we have like maybe five nights a week, we have DJs, films, live bands. And this was also supported by MasterCard, which is really cool. The, the initial 40 grand covered the land or? No, it covered the team. Okay, it didn't cover the land yet. You didn't no. have that yet. No, we, ha- we had the land, but um, in fact, it's like, it's almost gifted to us. Like uh, oh, mm-hmm. I, I have a partnership with uh, the owner and, and basically we kind of promote them as the owners and like we pr- there's a project that they will build in the future. And so we're kind of helping them like promote that project and promote the land and they give us a really friendly rent. Okay. Yeah, so that's like a really important model for like the startup of the project. But they also trusted it and they trusted that I could deliver it. Okay, wait, so it was a separate, I guess I'm confused again. Are you owning the land or are you renting the land there? We, we rent it from them. Oh, okay, got it, okay. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Uh, yeah, we rent the land from them. Got it, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was curious, I mean, this is m- not as related, but just wondering how, like, it works to own property and land in Prague, but... Yeah. You know, we've considered buying apartments, but um, I don't actually own land right now in Prague. Got it. That's fair, okay. so I can't really comment as a landowner. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, it's a little bit complicated as a, as a foreigner, so it's one yeah, of the reasons okay. why. Yeah, it's not so easy. Okay, so in terms of the marketing for, for Manifesto Market, what was there one thing that really drove visitors? You, I think I read in your articles 650,000 people in the first year. Yeah, so we were open like six months uh, in 2018. We opened in June and we closed in December, and we had like 650,000 people in the first six months. Now it's like uh, about 800,000 people. Wow. Because we've been open eight months now. Was there a specific marketing campaign that like helped? Specific campaigns, not so easy to answer. Mm-hmm. We did. I, I think it's not really a specific campaign. I think it's the diversity of campaigns that we ran. So we we tried like a lot. We we didn't try every channel. We we didn't work on every channel, but we we kind of like tried to optimize the work we were doing with Google. Like Google search was really important for us, and SEO was really important for us. The work we did with TripAdvisor was kind of important. Took a while to get started, but that's important work. Instagram has been really good for us, uh, like utilizing, actually we didn't spend uh, almost any money on advertising in the first year. We didn't do any really paid campaigns or anything. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we promoted our Christmas market because it was kind of like also a huge risk to do this kind of outdoor market in the winter. But, um, and that was our most successful campaign. We attracted like, I think there was like 18,000 event responses in 24 hours. And then wow. in total, the... The campaign, even the unpaid campaign, ran for three weeks, and we had something like 60,000 uh, event responses. And for like this kind of event, is pretty good being launched right before, not by a big agency, right? So, yeah. So that those actually, I'd say Facebook events are really important for us because this is like offers a lot of organic reach. So one of our models is to have culture events almost every day, particularly when it's warmer out. So we have DJs or bands or films. And we always host those on Facebook. And that's like a really easy way for people to share and understand what we're doing. We're not using, like, as a user, I'm barely using Facebook uh, anymore because uh, I don't know why. It's just like it's grown less interesting. But somehow it works really well for events, at least in this market still. Instagram has also been really successful for us. Our stories tend to pick up a lot of traffic and, and new users. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, for Manifesto Market, when you first had the vision and then, like, when it first 
launched and everyone came? Like, how long was that time frame? Probably 18 months. 18 months. And That's pretty fast. Yeah. And when we finally had, like, a project, like, we had a design and we had a partner, like, we were ready to start moving, it was, like, maybe six months. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of crazy. I remember, like, we didn't even have all the money yet. Like, we didn't have any... We had this just a seed investor that gave us the money for staff. And I had already committed to building the containers. So we, we showed up to the factory and I, like, was on the hill standing over this, like, huge field. And they had my containers in the field. And there was, like, 30 of them. And they were, like, half built. And I looked down and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, if we can't do this, like, if I can't find the money, like, I'm gonna be, like, I'm gonna stuff these containers into my apartment. Like, what am I gonna do with this stuff? So that was, like, the moment of truth. Like, I got really scared. And this is, like, two months before we opened, actually. And so, I, like, we ran back to Prague and I called, like, you know, everyone I had been in touch with about potentially lending us money. And, like, within two days, I, we found the money and, and we signed a deal. So it was still a huge risk, but at least, like, I was able to pay for them. Okay. I guess, um, going off of that, what was your biggest challenge in your journey? It could be from Resite or from Manifesto Market, just like anything. What has been your biggest challenge? The biggest challenge for me is always like saying uh, no to good opportunities. Like uh, like now, since we opened Manifesto, it's been crazy in the last eight months. We've had probably like 30 plus requests to build new markets like uh, around the world, not just around Europe. Um, so we're kind of like now taking those one by one. And every time I get a request, I'm like, wow, like let's build something in Bordeaux or Paris or LA. And so I get really excited by the new projects. And now so we're now like crazily considering something in Lisbon, also in Bordeaux. Like these are the, the most serious. We're taking it, we're actually building the business model and everything for them. And we're actually seeking investment for, for Lisbon right now. And China, which is also came to me like six months ago. It's crazy because we're attracting investment for this one in Lisbon right now. And that's pretty serious. I'm going to Bordeaux next week because that's also very serious. We're going to consider building something there. And China, which came to me like six months ago. And it's like totally crazy to to. to to go to China. We just opened this thing like eight months ago. But I believe we know what we're doing. And in that case, they want us to build a different kind of project. Like they want me to build a hospitality, like a hotel with this kind of food and beverage and culture component. And I think that's a really good idea because I think we know we can know how to do that really well. What's your uh, ultimate goal with everything? Yeah, well, we want to, I think we want to be like the number one brand in the world for pop-up gastro environments and also like sort of alternative hospitality environments. So that's my goal is to sort of like create new kinds of spaces for food and beverage and also hospitality. I feel like that's like your life purpose. <laughs> no, I think my life purpose is to improve uh, improve people's lives and with design awesome. right? and and build like cool experiences for people that yeah. makes their life better. So that's my life purpose. And so we're doing it now with these kind of these kind of projects. Cool. Yeah. Um, so are there any other projects you have coming up? Yes, we um, we're opening actually another manifesto uh, market. So we're working really hard on that right now. It's almost finished design and we're going towards the fabrication of the containers now. So this like will be a cool place that'll be kind of like gastro beer garden. So we'll have like mostly beer with Pilsner Cal, so like a famous Czech beer, and also a lot of food that goes with kind of beer. So it'll be kind of like a beer focused place, which is actually not my uh, preferred drink of choice, but it's locally really popular. So we want to kind of do this and surprise people with like uh, foreign cuisine. So Czech beer and international kind of beer food. Where's it going to be located? It's in, in the center of Prague again but on the other side of the river so in Prague 5 okay cool yeah so make sure to look out for that yes look out for that and you should come to Prague and visit us yes Uh, do you have like kind of last words or advice for people who might be interested in creating their own thing um, in terms of I guess design and 
I guess, real estate type of thing, like what you're doing. Uh, yeah, my parting words of advice are don't listen to anything I said because uh, <laughs> you'll always be feeling like concerned and scared. No, I think like my, my advice maybe would be if you really feel passionate about something, then like don't take no for an answer ever. It sounds like a little bit cliche, but you'll hear so many no's in the process and people always tell you it's impossible or they can't do it. And you have to find a way to do it if you really feel passionately about it. Sometimes you just can't, like you might fail. That, that's okay. I think you, you have to fail in order to find something new. Make mistake to learn, right? So that's kind of my parting word, I guess. Awesome. Well, I think this was super helpful for me and for like viewers and listeners out there. I hope so. It was really fun for me too. It was awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing your information, your knowledge. And of course, yeah. yeah. Thank you all. Bye. <laughs> uh, thanks, Sharon. Awesome. See you. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps our podcast grow. And thanks again. I'll see you guys in the next one.